Matthew's Gospel. If you don't have a copy of Scripture for yourself, or if you have a friend that needs one, feel free to take one of ours. We have several over here on the black cart. You're welcome to take one on your way out of the uh, building today. So listen to this story from Jesus found in Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. And so they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and he did the same thing. About five in the afternoon he went out and found still others standing around And he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his supervisor, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius so when, he, that when those who came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for Denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give to the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. So about eight years ago or so, Miranda and I, we had an opportunity to go on a mission trip we went through one of my seminary classes uh, to, to Costa Rica. And one morning, we were driving through the city, and as we were doing so, I looked out, and across, uh, over to the side, there was this large green space, a large common area where men had gathered. And, and some of those men were hopping into the back of some pickup trucks. Some were discussing something with some of the other men, and then some were just standing around. And so I asked our host what the men were doing, and so that's when he began to explain their common culture in that area. Early morning, the day laborers who were unemployed, they would gather in that particular location. And then the construction foremen and the farmers and other manual labor overseers, they would arrive a little bit later, and they would begin to hire the men that they needed to work for them on that day. And so if they needed 10 men, they would hire 10 men and take them on with them. Or if they needed five, they would take five. And so it was that day that it struck me that I was having the opportunity to witness with my own two eyes this very short story that Jesus is telling us this morning. Now, interestingly enough, the first century Middle Eastern world, it operated very similarly to the way that Costa Rica continues to operate today. Now, as fascinating as that truth is, there's an even more captivating truth revealed to Jesus or by Jesus to us. And apparently, the kingdom of heaven operates the same way that it operates then. Listen to what Jesus says as he introduces this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. 
Now, this opening line probably doesn't mean a whole lot to us. It's just the beginning of a story. But to, to Jesus' audience, it meant a great deal to them. You see, wealthy landowners in Jesus' day, they usually hired all kinds of servants. And their servants were expected to then go and do the stuff that needed to be done, all kinds of things. And in this particular case, a wealthy landowner, he would have never gone into town like this, like this one did. Because he had someone else to do that. He had already hired a steward. And it was the steward's job to make sure there are enough workers to come in and do the necessary work. That's what he was paid to do. And so the people listening to Jesus' story at this point, they would have thought it was extremely odd that the owner is already involved at this point in the story. He should not already be there. Well, basically, the, what these men would be doing was only seasonal work. The, the vines probably needed to be pruned for the next year, or perhaps it was harvest season, and so the grapes were ready, and it was time to harvest. But regardless of the reason, the work would only be for a short term. It's a short duration of work. So this owner unusually arrives, and he begins to select the number of workers he needs for that day's labor. There could have been 30 or 40 or maybe even 80 men present but he only needs 10. He just needs 10 men to come and do the work. And so he offers those, that work to those 10 men. And he tells them, I will pay you the full day's wage for a full day's work. Sounds like a good bargain. So they leave and they go on their way. Now about halfway through the morning, the owner heads back into town. And that's whenever he sees there are still men milling around who have not had a job. And I want us to listen very carefully to how Jesus describes what's happening here. He says that they're standing idle. These men, these men want a job, church. They need a job to pay their bills. And they're not just sitting around on their behinds under a shade tree. They're up and around showing that they're active and they are able to do a job and they want a job. And also want us to notice that the landowner makes a deal with these men. He, he tells them, you, you come work to me, for me, in my vineyard, and I'll pay you whatever is right. He doesn't guarantee them any amount of money. He just says, I will be just with you. I will pay you whatever is a fair wage. And, and so these men, they have a decision to make, don't they? Can, do they want to stay here and wait for someone else to come along and maybe give them a full wage? Or do they want to go ahead and take this and just receive whatever they get? Well, they're smart enough to realize that this is a good opportunity for them. So they go ahead and they take the job. They take him up on his offer. Now, as this story unfolds before us, the, the owner, he, he continues to go back and forth. He, he goes from his vineyard, vineyard into town, and then from town into the vineyard, and then from the vineyard back to town, and then from town back to the vineyard. And he makes this trek a total of five times in a single day. Now, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but there are days when it seems that all I do is run my children all over town. One of them has to be here at 8 o'clock in the morning, but the other one has to be across town at 10 o'clock. And so we're running back and forth from one place to the other, back home, and then back to get another child, and we're just running back and forth. And we live in a society where we have a modern vehicle. It has a radio, and it has air conditioner. It has comfortable seats. But that task is extremely exhausting, isn't it? It's a lot of work to do all this mess. So I want us just to take for a second this, this image and imagine ourselves back in the first century. We're no longer with all the modern stuff we have. This is a much larger task than what we have to deal with. It's labor intensive. 
It's so labor-intensive that, that the master should have had his steward doing this. This is what the steward gets paid for. You go to town and, and get the workers and come back. But he chooses to do it himself. Not only that, but, but wouldn't you think... Wouldn't you think that this vineyard owner would have known at the very beginning of the day exactly how many workers he was going to need for that day? He, he knew how long it took to, to prune the vines or to pick the grapes. I mean, any, anyone that I know who runs a farm or a business, they very quickly, they figure out how much help they're going to need, don't they? That They know how, much, how many people they need to hire so that the work can get done efficiently while they're still making a decent profit. And so this landowner, he's not a dummy. He didn't go out and, and hire the wrong number of people off the bat. He's not overwhelmed with all the work that has to be done. He's not trying to get the work done quickly because something's about to happen. So the question sits here in this story is why does he do this? Why is this man going to all the extra work to go back and forth from town back home? And really the only answer that makes any sense at all is that this man is driven by compassion. He has compassion for other people. When the landowner first arrived on the scene, there was this huge crowd, wasn't there? They were a bunch of unemployed men desperate to find a job. And in the first century, if you're a day laborer like these men were, you, you pretty much went there every morning to get you a job. If you were lucky, you might get a job that would last for two days, but usually it was an every morning affair. And you made just enough money to buy your food, to, to buy some supplies, just enough to get you through till you could get paid again at the end of the day because you got paid every day. We're literally talking about a group of people who are making it one day at a time. And so this landowner, he, he took enough workers with him to get the job done at the very beginning of the day. But because he is compelled by compassion, he, he is driven to return. He, he needs to go in there and see how many men are still standing there needing a job so they can pay their families. He goes at 9, at noon, at 3, and then right before quitting time, he goes back at 5 o'clock. This, this compassionate employer, he, he's coming to see how many of these men need a job. And as that day wore on, you see... And those workers were fewer and fewer. It becomes pretty clear to us that the workers were also less able. They were not the right kind of people. They couldn't handle this task. Think about it. If you're hiring day laborers, you're going to get the healthiest, aren't you? You're going to get the ones who are most physically fit. You're going to get the ones that are just the right age. You don't want one that's too young because he's too weak to do the work. And you don't want one that's too old because he's also too weak to work. You need to get the best ones. And so the best ones are always picked first, aren't they? But by 5 o'clock, those workers who were left, they were the least desirable workers in town. After all, the best ones have been employed for hours now, haven't they? And each time, this, this landowner, he, he goes up to these men and he makes no promises to them. He, he simply says, I will pay you something fair. If you'll come work for me, I will give you something fair. And that's it. Now, the thing that intrigues me about what's happening in this story is that this landowner is this compassion that's truly driving him. Why? Why doesn't he go back at 5 o'clock and simply give these men money? 
Why didn't he just pay them something so that they could go home and eat? Why does he say they need to come work for him? Well, you see, every single time he goes in to check, the men are still standing up, aren't they? They're still standing up showing they want to work. They want to do a job. They want to get paid for what they have done. These men, they, they didn't have to stand out in this hot, hot sun all day, did they? they? They could have given up at 10 o'clock in the morning and gone home and told their, their wife, I'm sorry, no one hired me today, and then took a nap. But that's not what they did. And so this landowner, since compassion is what drives him, he recognizes the fact that if you pay someone who wants to do a good job, that wants to work, and just give them money, there's a slap in the face. It's a slap in the face of their pride, and you shouldn't just throw money at people who want to work. So at the end of the day, five different groups of men, they, they have finished up their labor. And this first group, they had worked all day, hadn't they? The other four groups, they had worked for various amounts of time throughout the day, but the only group that had any kind of contract was that very first group. They had been promised a day's wage for the day's work. And so once this work day came to a close, Jesus, he, he begins to surprise us with a few twists to our story. The first twist, I'll slow down here now. <laughs> the, the first twist was this brand new character, right? There's a brand new character who's introduced at the end of the story. It's the steward the steward shows up. The steward who should have been doing the one running back and forth the whole time, he has now shown up and he's being told to pay the men. And then there's a second twist immediately after that. The, the master goes up to the steward and he tells them this. He says, pay the wage. Now the English in this translation is not the best. And so if we, if we dig into what is actually being said here in the Greek, it, he's saying, pay the full wage. He, he, tells, he tells his steward, pay the full day's work wage. And then we get to this third twist in the story. And this is when things get really serious for us and that first audience. This, this landowner, he, he begins to line up these men. If you listen carefully to what Jesus says, he intentionally lines the men up so that those who have worked all day are going to get paid last. They're going to see how much everyone else gets paid. You see, this landowner, he, he decides he's going to troll these men, isn't he? He is deliberately stirring this pot, this pot of drama. And so we begin to listen. And as we listen, we can feel this tension rising among the people. With each denarius paid out, regardless of how much of the day they worked, the strain among these people begins to mount. Sure, these, these last workers, they're thrilled, aren't they? They worked for one entire hour and they got the full day's pay. In fact, the next three groups are also pretty happy about this. They didn't have to work all day and yet they got paid the full day's wage. They got more than they deserved. But you see, with every silver coin placed into the recipient's hand, 
That first group becomes angrier and angrier and angrier until finally one of the most vocal men in the group, they call foul. That's not fair. We should be paid a whole lot more money because we worked all day long. Now, if you're one of my own children, or if you were one of my students whenever I taught sophomores and you cried out, something's not fair, I had a little saying to remind you something. And I would remind you that a fair is a place you show a fat hog. <laughs> you see, church, this anger from these men, it, it doesn't stem from being underpaid, does it? This anger stems from these men because others are getting overpaid. These men had a contract. They had a contract with this landowner, and their contract said that they would receive a single silver coin for working all day long, and that's exactly what they were receiving. But now... Now they believe they deserve more than what was promised because they've been employed all day long. They did the bulk of the work. They worked the longest in the heat and the sun. They were the first ones chosen. And you see, because they're the first ones chosen, that automatically means that they're the better employer, employees in town. And you see, church, there it is, isn't it? The truth has finally come out. You see, our humanity, it pushes us. It pushes us to believe that some of us are better than others of us. And one of the measures of how good we are, how worthy we are in the society we live in, is the size of this paycheck that we take home, isn't it? These men... These men who are so upset, they, they prove that while grace can be absolutely amazing in our lives, especially when we're the ones receiving this grace. But you see, grace can also be absolutely exasperating when someone else receives grace. And the landowner lets them know that. He gets the final word. He has the final speech of the story. He says, I gave you exactly what I told you that I would give you. And you worked hard. You worked really hard for this money, and I paid you the fair wage. I made the decision to pay these other men a living wage because of their families. I made a decision that their children need to eat at the end of today just like your children do. And these men, they, they have as much of a right to walk home filled with pride that they can take care of their families as you have. And guess what, by the way? I worked just as hard as you did today. I, I made a trip to town five different times in the heat of the day. I could have sent someone else. I could have sent my steward. It's his job to do that, but I didn't. I did it myself because I work, I do my stuff because I move by compassion. I want to help other people. I want people to feel worthy. 
I want to bring joy into the lives of people who have absolutely no joy. You have absolutely no right to be jealous of them and angry at me. I will have compassion on whomever I want and I will show grace to whomever I feel like showing grace to. And apparently you don't care about other people. You don't care about other families. All you care about is yourself. So you know what? You can take your hard-earned dollar and you can get off my property. So today's short story, it, it reminds us of a couple of extremely important points. First of all, church, no one no one is ever excluded from being welcomed into the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Peter is no more important than John, and John is no more important than Lazarus, and Lazarus is no more important than Mary Magdalene. One of my very favorite commentators, he says, in the gospel... Salvation through Christ is open to both Simeon, who held the baby Jesus in, his, in the temple at the beginning of his life, and to the thief who believed at the very end of his life. Jesus opens it to the believer who dies today, even as he opened it to Abraham, who was the very friend of God. And secondly, church... Jesus' story it absolutely insists that we retain this following truth. These complainers at the end of the story, those who have been following God the longest, they represent people who are willing to obey the will of God. They really do. But they also represent the people who seek to dictate God's will to other people. And the thing is, it's not up to us. It's not up to any of us. It's not our job to decide how much grace or compassion or mercy or justice is dispensed to ourselves or to anyone else. Our job is simply this, church. Our job is to observe our master and what he is doing and then to go and to do likewise. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, may the peace and grace of Jesus rest on your hearts. Amen.